Woman Standing edition of Spin Cycle, the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24-hour news cycle, broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Jess Lilly and I am indeed the last woman standing. I'm flying solo this evening. Charlie, unfortunately, has retired to his sick bed. Get well, buddy. Uh, but I will be joined by music writer Ben Madden uh, on the show. He will be talking us through uh, the Bluesfest saga that um, keeps on keeping on and added yet another chapter to its sorry story today with the strangely penned announcement, <laughs> as we have come to expect from Blues Fest director Peter Noble, that Sticky Fingers is indeed being removed from the lineup. I know we did discuss this um, story briefly last week, but I really wanted to get into it a little bit more because it has been one of the strangest couple, sort of couple of weeks in terms of the life of a music story in our media cycle. Uh, so Ben's going to join us um, to talk about that. Otherwise, it's just little old me this evening. Not too much rambling, although as soon as I say that, <laughs> I am going to kick off with uh, the mention of one quite startling development today in the uh, Robo Debt Royal Commission. For context, um, the RoboDebt Royal Commission was established in August last year with a public inquiry. Uh, that is looking into the fairness, the legality and the policy considerations of the RoboDebt scheme. I think everyone has some pretty strong opinions about all of those things given uh, what it put a whole lot of people through. Um, however, the, the final report from the Royal Commission isn't due until April this year. There have been four hearing blocks in the meantime. Uh, each has certain parameters to investigate and each call calling different witnesses. It's been quite huge, this uh, commission. The first hearing block started in October last year and we are finally up to hearing block four, which I believe finishes this month. Um, and it feels like in this one um, that's sort of start, kicked off uh, early Feb, beginning of Feb, um, has been some really startling revelations and I guess some real clarity has become unearthed in terms of how complicit the government was in um, maintaining the scheme and and sort of not bringing the um, bringing the the real danger of it to light uh, as soon as it should have. Um, and I think one of you know today's evidence was um, indicative of of that. Um, when former former government services minister Stuart Robert admitted that he, despite having had grave misgivings about the scheme in 2019, he publicly backed it many times. He didn't share those misgivings publicly. In fact, he quite the opposite. He um, he really dug in behind the scheme, including in an interview with Laura Tingle on the 7:30 report, where she she gave him plenty of opportunity to say otherwise. And I think the thing that was so damning today was when pressed on why he would deliberately make misleading statements to the media about something as dire as that, Robert said he was bound by cabinet solidarity, um, 
which is just mind-boggling and just really sad when you think of the suffering that robo-debt was causing to so many people at the time. Um, there's going to be more detail. You can tune into um, The Grapevine on Monday. I believe Rick Morton's going to be um, coming in t- on the show, um, the Saturday Papers Rick Morton, to talk more about it. Um, and huge kudos to to Rick and The Guardian's Luke and Rick Gomes and other reporters who have staunchly sat through all of the robo-debt testimony, live tweeting, live blogging, dissecting, untangling, reporting all of its revelations. It's really devastating to think of the impact that this awful scheme had on so many lives and so many people were trying to talk about it and were shut down by the government um, you know, PR machine and people like Robert who did have an opportunity to go on to a show like 7.30 Report and basically spread misinformation about um, the realities of this scheme and the people who were suffering the most had no voice and no platform like that. In fact, they were being ignored and, and shut down on every front. Um, so uh, it, it's also kind of interesting that um, that um, that the Commission's revelations aren't making front-page news on our newspapers that still exist in print format. Um, So, yeah, much respect to the reporters who are showing up every day to make sure the findings don't get buried. And hopefully this inquiry and its report and the fact that the truth of the government's complicity in its... um, the then-government's complicity in its continuation... um, is now finally emerging and, and the truth the, the, the truth is coming to light. Um, hopefully that can provide some solace to robo-debt um, victims and survivors and, and hopefully there are material outcomes. Uh, you know, that is one criticism of, of Royal Commissions, that there's a lot of evidence and not a lot of action, but let's see, hopefully, hopefully. Triple R. Ben Madden is a freelance music writer whose work has appeared in Vice, NME Australia, Music Feed and SBS, among other places. And this week he has a great piece uh, published in Junkie that gives context and thought to the wild saga that has been one man's desperate attempt to make the band's sticky fingers at Blues Fest happen this year and for everyone else to be happy about it. <laughs> Not going so well. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's uh, it's my pleasure. This um, weird story has been causing a weird wormhole in my brain for the, for a couple of weeks. Every now and then, I just stop and go, "Huh, <laughs> what a what a what a strange turn of events this has been." So I'm glad to have you talk on the show to talk about it, um, without having to read out a full rap sheet for Sticky Fingers because that'll be a bit boring. Can you give us a bit of context as to why their addition to the Blues Fest lineup this year uh, made immediate caused immediate waves they've had multiple altercations with uh, female uh, indigenous female singer Thelma Plum transgender model uh, Alexandra V. Tanijina had multiple drink driving charges which resulted in um, charge, uh, sorry, resulted in criminal charges and an in-band brawl that also resulted in criminal charges so there has never been any real accountability for what the band has done and so their announcement on Blues Fest took people by surprise, I think it's fair to say. Is that because um, there was just a general sense of um, shock that a band, as you said, hadn't really made amends, would take up space in such a a big festival lineup? 
I think it was also the way it was announced. Uh, Bluesfest director Peter Noble described them as the bad boys of Australian music, mm. which, given the rap sheet that I've just mentioned, feels in poor taste. And I think... Their announcement was one thing. Everything that's come out since then, him releasing multiple statements defending the band, has confused anyone who has been following the situation closely. So I don't begrudge anyone following it from afar for being a bit confused by the whole thing. I think the comms have been quite uh, varied and confusing. Yeah, because rather than sort of acknowledge um, that there was any merit to the the backlash, um, Peter Noble responded by really doubling down, but also just trying to take control of the narrative himself. Obviously, his statements were all self-penned. <laughs> they did read like stream of consciousness. There was no, there was certainly no sort of PR um, finesse to them. Um, and he went straight to the media, you know, he to plead his case. What, what's your what's your response to that? What were your thoughts about that in terms of you know the media, the music landscape in in Australia, and the work that artists have been doing to to try and make a safe space for themselves? I think it was. I would use the word ill thought out. Um, it just felt like a strategy that was never really going to work because, as you mentioned, a lot of artists have put, been putting in the work to make Australian music a safer place. To then try and paint this narrative of redemption, I think, left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And it just spiralled out of control. It didn't really feel like there was any control in the situation. I would say stream of consciousness is very accurate. Reading through the statements, there was this sense of almost trying to offer the band redemption for which didn't feel deserved at all. Yeah, it felt like he was trying to sway the public narrative, right? You know, um, does you know he of course fed right into the the culture wars and the ideal ideas of cancel culture, and there was a lukewarm response from the mainstream media to pick that up a little bit, you know, and try and run with it slightly, you know, trip over it. Yeah, and I think initially people were somewhat on board, at least from what I was seeing. And then I think as the situation has gone on, people kind of really lost sight of what the actual argument was. So even if you were maybe in his camp, it was a little bit hard to follow what was actually going on. Why do you think he doubled down so much? I think he thought this would go a lot smoother than maybe it has. Um, There'd be a little bit of backlash, but then that would be outweighed by the fans thanking him for giving them such a spot. But I think it went the complete opposite way. And to be honest, I think a little bit of ego kicks in. If you've made a decision, you've staked your at least part of your reputation on it, you want to defend that even if maybe it's not the right thing to do. I think what's also quite, um, for me, was quite sort of disingenuous about his response as well is that he picked out bits of the narrative to suit his response, really. He didn't acknowledge... Um, a lot of a lot of the complaints against Sticky Fingers and why artists don't feel necessarily safe, especially the fact, as you mentioned, that that one of the bigger um, incidences involved another musician. Um, you know, he completely overlooked that, which was very disingenuous. He also um, sort of um, glossed over the timeline of of incidents that had happened to them. So I was trying to say it's been five years or longer when, in fact, you know, it hasn't necessarily since their last incident. But I think also one of the bigger things, you know, for me was um, uh, there was also his attempt to to compare the singer, Dylan, to Van Gogh. (laughs) 
as some sort of tortured artist. I did see that and I, yeah, brushed it off a little bit. And he really did the media rounds, you know. He did an interview with um, The Age or Sydney Morning Herald. He went on um, 2GB and, and really did make an effort to try and and push this, push acceptance of this decision. What 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 was uh, there were other there were two other sort of responses that kind of I thought were interesting artist responses. It feels like there should be a conversation around this idea of you know um, some artists saying you know how can they feel safe in an environment where um, where people who do have that kind of brazen history of of um, relating to people at at their gigs uh, is brushed over. Uh, and then also um, King King Gizzard, when they pulled out, said that there was a clash of values between them and the festival. What did you make of those sort of responses and, and the fact that it didn't become a, a broader discussion? I mean, that was always at the crux of this for me. Everyone deserves to feel safe at work. For musicians, the festival is work. So them pulling out made a lot of sense. I, I also agree. Like, if your values are not in opposition with your workplace then you can withdraw your labour. I I thought that, for me, was a central issue and any broader discussion about cancel culture didn't really pass muster because they withdrew. They weren't calling for a mass boycott. Mm. They withdrew because they no longer felt safe. Yeah, there were some commentators in the mainstream media that, that got a little bit confused by that, <laughs> namely Walid Ali. Did you yeah. read that piece? I did. And what was, he, what was, was the point he was trying to make? I think he made the point that they were calling for a boycott and you can't launch a boycott doing what they did. Um, yeah, I, I found it a bit confusing. Yeah, he was, trying to, he was trying to say, you know, why? What, what's, what's the point of pulling out? What's the point of saying you don't want to play at the festival and you've got a clash of values? That's not how boycotts work, I think. was Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that was the point. And it, I found it a bit strange because anyone is entitled to withdraw from anything at any time. They can have any reason that they want. Um, of course. So to criticise that felt a bit bizarre, yeah. It, it felt like people wanted to latch onto this as to make a broader point, but then they were struggling with that point. I think so, because there was another one. Um, we heard a reprise of that very tired old sort of shut up and sing line that the Dixie Chicks were hit with many years ago. Yes. Um, so traumatised were they that they changed their name to just the Chicks. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, which was also again in the in the age. Um, that was odd. Yeah, I found that particularly odd because at that point you want a jukebox, and that's not what live music is about. The connection with the artist is kind of the central point to going to a gig. Otherwise, you would just listen to their record. So to tell artists to shut up and play the music, I think, yeah, wildly missed the point. To, to be quite frank. Then um, today there's been a new statement. Did you yes. read that? Yes, I did. And Can you talk us through it? Be- yeah, because it was, it's really interesting. It felt like Peter Noble had been backed into a corner he didn't want to be in. Mm. He, he was attempting to express that they were taken off the festival, but it wasn't his choice at all. He'd been made, maybe forced or backed into a corner to make that decision. He admitted that he might have got it wrong, but at the same time didn't take any accountability at all. So, yes, I, I was very surprised by that statement. I think the formatting of the statement was also uh, very odd. Yeah, all around. I was just surprised to see that. 
Did you expect him to back down and and remove sticky fingers from the bill? Honestly, uh, given where it had got to in terms of conversation and the multiple statements released defending them, no, I didn't. Um, Mm. So I I was as surprised as anyone. I I really thought that they were going to play. To see that just, yeah, took me by surprise. I mean, I can understand why, but I was a bit confused by it given everything that had happened to this point. Why do you think he's done that? Do you think it's um, ticket sales or other artists threatening to withdraw? Because he just seems so... There's no contrition. There's no... He just seems so mad that he has to do this. Yes. Uh, look, I assume it's a combination of um, multiple factors, including, yeah, internal and external pressures. At the end of the day, a festival is only as good as the ticket holders that attend if the conversation has been going on for so long about a band not and people not wanting a band to play. It does make sense from a financial standpoint to pull them from the lineup, even if that goes against what you've been saying previously. Because mm. he does, he, he's... he's I'm just reading the statement now, you know, it's, you know, it's very butthurt. And at one point he says, Sticky Fingers has done so many good deeds that have never been reported, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, we will now move on, put this behind us and continue to plan and present our best edition of Blues Fest. It's, it's very contradictory. What do you think this does to the Blues Fest brand? I, to be honest, I think it damages it more because for a subsection of fans, they probably were very excited for Sticky Fingers to play. That might have been a reason that they bought a ticket. So the people that didn't want to support Blues Fest because Sticky Fingers were playing have now seen that it took to this point for them to be withdrawn. Then you've got the other side who won't be happy that Sticky Fingers have withdrawn at all. So really everyone is left disappointed for different reasons. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's just a bizarre episode in our musical history, and I think it's really worth pointing out because he does P- Peter Noble does um, talk about cancel, you know, them being cancelled again in this statement, and how long are they going to be cancelled for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You pointed out in your article that um, there's no at no point have Sticky Fingers stopped playing, or you know, stopped touring, or even stopped playing in this country. Exactly. They played Festival Hall and the Horton Pavilion last year. They just sold out Alexandra Palace over in the UK. I think it is a bit disingenuous to act like they've been cancelled when they are selling out their own gigs and no one is calling for them to stop playing gigs. People would ju- just had an issue with their presence on Blues Fest and they will continue to play gigs and I'm sure there will be an uptick in sales because of this incident. So I found that a bit of a strange line to take. I actually saw a couple of like more, um, I think there was a, a, a TV news reporter um, sort of uh, testing out that line as well about about the about them being cancelled and how long do they have to suffer in the wilderness for. And it is just, you know, it's just such a shame that we can't actually have some really honest conversations about these issues rather than sort of falling into those, um, you know, sort of silly counter... Like, what am I trying to say? Silly uh, narratives. Yeah, it is a... It just feels like another culture war almost, like... 
we should be focusing, yeah, on the positives of the Australian music industry, and there are some, um, but instead <laughs> we've been caught up in this for multiple weeks, and I suspect this won't be the end of it. No, and it must really hurt for people who have been, you know, the music industry does has still not necessarily reckoned with its own history of... Um, you know, abuse and gendered um, assault as well. And some of those stories have come out, not all of them have. Um, And I'm sure seeing all of this stuff rear its head again and seeing such a determined effort to build a narrative to support a redemption arc or just forget about, you know, the history of of someone, of, of a band who repeatedly, you know, made people feel unsafe. It must be hard to watch for a lot of people. Exactly. It is very re-traumatising for a lot of people and I think that's what, because it's played out so publicly, I just hope those people are okay because, yeah, there has been a subsection of fans determined to welcome this band back to one of the country's biggest festivals and, yeah, it is a disappointing situation, I think. Above everything else, I would have hoped that conversations like them being cancelled hadn't popped up but they have yeah all right ben i know i've i've taken you away from an event so please (laughs) go back to to your dinner um but thank you so much for joining us on spin cycle this evening Thank you so much for having me, Jess. It was lovely to speak to you. That's uh, Ben Madden, freelance music writer, and you can check out his uh, take on the whole uh, Sticky Fingers Blues Fest affair on Junkie. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favourite podcast platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Sample, at Lily Juice, and at The Shuffle Diary. You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a Triple R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps Triple R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.